Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Happy to be back with you for the 2021-22 season. On today's show, we will talk conference realignment. Teams leaving the AAC, teams proposed to be added to the AAC. We'll also discuss the American Preseason Awards and get you ready for one of the most anticipated Shocker basketball seasons since joining the American. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge, Season 9 of the Talk Angry Podcast. Taylor, how have you been? Doing well. Excited to have basketball season right around the corner and excited to you know start watching hoops again. It's crazy to think it's that time of year. First exhibition game for the Shockers a week from Monday on November 1st. And then first real game, I believe, tips off on November 9th at Coke Arena. Nice to uh, also have full capacity again at Coke Arena. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of these guys on this team haven't, haven't played in front of, you know, 10,000 fans at Coke Arena. So I think that's going to be, you know, something uh, that they're really looking forward to. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that came in last year, you know, guys like Ricky Council, Monty Jackson, you know, guys that would feed off that energy. I think they're going to really like playing in front of the fans. And I think the fans are going to have a lot to cheer for this season. I think they're going to play a lot more up-tempo. I think you're going to see them play, uh, you know, more exciting uh, basketball, you know, a few more lobs, a lot more dunks, stuff like that. A lot of crowd pleasing stuff. So I think uh, it's going to work both ways. And yeah, I think everyone's just excited to, to get basketball back and going about as normal as possible. We recorded our off-season special in July during the time of the TBT, and the biggest headline since that time has to be conference realignment, specifically related to the American Athletic Conference, and really what a ride it's been. You saw Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12 for the SEC. Initially, there's reports that the American could be on the offensive and going after some of those Big 12 teams. That turns out not to be the case. Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston will be leaving the American Conference at some point here to go to the Big 12. Now we have reports uh, that there would be expansion to 14 teams with a lot of teams from Conference USA. So it's it's kind of just been a roller coaster here. I think most Shocker fans are not necessarily happy with how things have turned out so far if you look at the conference they got into several years ago versus what it looks like today. But kind of just take us through the last few weeks and, and what footing you think the conference is on right now. Yeah, I think once this all started, you, you, you saw... Uh, you know, Mike Oresco really make a push to, to expand westward, you know, go chase the Mountain West schools, you know, uh, Colorado State, Air Force. So they were the ones that were rumored coming over. And then, you know, you obviously want Boise State. Uh, you know, that was kind of the crown jewel if you could get Boise State. Okay, uh, you know, this is a conference that, you know, it was probably not as strong as it was, but, you know, it, it's still very, very strong. You know, maybe that opens the door for, you know, even as far west as, you know, San Diego State, you, you saw them in the rumors as well. And then, yeah, things just kind of crumbled. You know, there were reports that Colorado State and Air Force were coming over. And then the next day, uh, you know, they backed out. So, you know, they, they decided to stand pat. Um, so once they struck out there, that really hurt the American because, you know, what you're left with now is kind of, you know, what's the, the best, you know, the best route, route left. And, you know, 
you're seeing right now, you know, now you're 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 picking over these uh, Conference USA teams. We'll just go down the list: Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, Texas San Antonio, Rice, and UAB. Those are the six that are rumored to to be uh, coming over to to join the American. And uh, as you say in your notes right here, eleven of the fourteen have been members of the Conference USA at one point or another. So it's kind of just a remade Conference USA. And like you said, I mean, it's is it as exciting as you know the American was when WSU first joined? Absolutely not. But you know, I still think that the decision makers at Wichita State, if they had to do it all over again, they absolutely would have still left. Uh, you know, the upside was uh, just too much to to join a new conference. Did it work out? No. But you know, I still think the potential is there. And you know, you still have that contract with ESPN. Uh, which is, you know, kind of a trump card over some of these other other conferences outside those power conferences. You know, the the fact that the American does have a deal with ESPN that's that kind of puts them near the top. I don't doubt the decision was the right one to go to the American, and it was the perfect fit that all of us were clamoring for, really, ever since Creighton left the Missouri Valley and went to the Big East. The issue for me is when you look at this from a basketball perspective, all of these decisions are mainly made with football in mind and also with TV markets and eyeballs in mind. But from a basketball perspective, these teams getting added to the conference really don't add a whole lot. If we look at Ken Palm, UAB is 71. That's roughly right around where the Shockers are at 62, but North Texas 135, Rice 144, and then it's a slippery slope from there. So it's like, you know, from a basketball perspective, we've added a lot of East Carolinas and Tulane's. We haven't necessarily gotten a whole lot back. And when you see what's leaving, Cincinnati, parentally good basketball school. Houston has been really a top 15 basketball program over these last few years. And even Central Florida has had its moments. So, you know, the, the main driver and the whole reason people listen to this podcast and read a lot of your work is the men's basketball program. I know there's other things to consider here, but I feel like Wichita State was weakened. Is it better off than it was in the Missouri Valley? I still contend that. But if Memphis leaves the conference, if SMU leaves the conference, which you have to think they're you know looking to have their foot out the door, then you really start to have to wonder. And now we're, we're basically at the same point. And I think you have to look for additional opportunities. Yeah. I mean, we've We've seen uh, some rumors go around that, you know, the Big East is looking to expand once their TV deal is up in 2025. Uh, I believe Dana O'Neill of The Athletic had Wichita State as one of the top options to, to potentially, you know, expand. And, you know, then you'd have to dig into the numbers on, uh, you know, how much uh, the travel cost would be for it. Because remember, you're not just thinking about, you know, just the men's basketball programs. You know, they can charter wherever, but you're thinking about the other, you know, the other, you know, 14 or whatever programs you have in your college uh, athletic department and, you know, the travel costs for them would, would be, uh, you know, I would think that it would be uh, pretty high compared to the American, which already is, you know, a pretty, uh, you know, substantial increase from the Missouri Valley days. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot to consider. You know, the A-10 is another really good basketball league. I've seen some people, uh, you know, uh, wish that Wichita State would reach out to them. I, I mean, I don't have any kind of insight and in, intel on you know how those talks are going now, but I do know the last time Wichita State was you know looking to move conferences, the Big East had no interest in Wichita State, and the A10 was kind of the same thing. I don't think there was a lot of mutual interest there. Maybe things have changed uh, just because the landscape of college athletics has changed so much in the last five years. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Wichita State starts to 
to look, uh, you know, and, and try to align itself with a, a more basketball-centric league like the Big East, like the A-10, something like that. Or, you know, everything that Darren Boatwright has said, the AD at Wichita State, he's, I mean, I've talked to him multiple times now. Every time he said, you know, we are committed to the American, uh, you know, we're basically ride, ride or die with the AAC. So we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, how long that, that lasts. And, uh, you know, obviously things are changing and, uh, you know, it's a fluid situation. So I think his thoughts can change on that, uh, you know, as time progresses. But for now, as much as I know, you know, Wichita State is content staying in the American. One thing I want to bring up, you know, a lot has been made that they can't leave because there's this $10 million exit fee. What I don't think is right. So Wichita State's not getting the full revenue share because they don't have football. It's not been released what exactly that revenue share is. They, in essence, should not have the same exit fee as everyone else if they're not getting the same revenue. So I think that should be down. Also, I think there's a gentleman that has his name on the arena that might be able to help with that exit fee if it came to it. And then the other thing that's been thrown out as far as a conference opportunity would be the Mountain West. I know they're not looking to expand right now, but Gonzaga seems to always be looking for a new basketball home. Maybe Wichita State could be paired as a and as an Eastern version of that Mountain West. Yeah, I mean that that could work. And obviously the the Big East too. They they could have two conf- or two divisions, I guess. You know, if they decide to expand, which would help with the travel costs because you know there are some some trips in the Big East where you could uh, could bus. Uh, same deal for the Mountain West. I mean, obviously now you're just going the opposite direction uh, a lot would be flights. So I don't know what the, you know, if they, if they expand and, and go to divisions, I don't know how much that would help Wichita state, but it would still, uh, you know, help a little with those minor sports. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you can find a, a partner to come in with, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, Wichita state and Gonzaga team up and say, Hey, let's, you know, let's make the best, uh, you know, power, non-power five conference and, and try to, you know, elevate them into that conversation I think that that would be enticing for any league, but like you said, you know, football drives all of these talks. Having a good basketball league is nice, but you know, it's not anywhere close to the the number one money driver right now. Nice thing about the Mountain West, their conference tournaments in Vegas. So just something else to keep in mind there. Of all these schools that we talked about, all Conference USA members, do any of them really excite you? You know, UAB is solid. Um, I think that's one. That could be, you know, in the, the top half of the conference. But yeah, like outside of that, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, you're adding a bunch of two lanes in East Carolinas. I do think there are some, you know, a little more potential in some of those programs. But I mean, you're not wrong in saying that these are, you know, a lot of the teams you're adding in terms of men's basketball. I mean, these are going to be the bottom half of the conference. And uh, now you look at, you know, who's leaving, who's coming in. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's looking like Wichita State is going to, you know, Memphis is obviously, you know, as long as they, they keep this recruiting class going with, with Penny and who knows how long he'll be in Memphis. You know, obviously he's getting some NBA interest now and um, uh, SMU, I mean, those three are looking like the, the teams that are going to be running this conference for the foreseeable future because, uh, I mean, I just don't see, you know, UAB you know, rising up as much as, as that, uh, you know, winning the conference, uh, North Texas is solid. Uh, you know, rice has been solid, but you know, outside of those, yeah, I just don't see any other one of those schools that are going to come in and start contending for, you know, at large NCAA tournament bursts, uh, you know, right away. So it's going to be mostly, you know, Wichita state, Memphis, SMUs of the world. Uh, you know, hopefully temple can get back up there. That's what the American is hoping, but you know, right now, you know, Temple is still, you know, a bottom half program until they prove it on the court. 
John Rothstein tweeted yesterday he thought Temple should look to move to the A-10 to a conference that'd be focused a little bit more on basketball, although they do have a, a fairly good football program, have had some success over the years. Big question here is Memphis, SMU, Wichita State. Two of those three are probably looking for an invite uh, to the Big 12 if the Big 12 decides to expand. I know particularly Memphis would do that, and they've got some folks with some big pockets there uh, with you know the FedEx money there. So hopefully they would stick around, but but certainly not guaranteed. So a lot of a lot of changes happening in the conference. I have nothing against Commissioner Oresco. He's come on here. He's a he's a nice person, but uh, I thought it was interesting. He got a three year contract extension right in the <laughs> middle of the time that Who basically the, the, the yeah. Conference is blowing up. Who knows up if the American months. will even be be in existence in three years? Exactly. We'll see. You you don't know. So they did announce the preseason awards and the preseason poll last week. Houston was picked to win the conference. Memphis number two. SMU third by one point over Wichita State. Rounded out by Central Florida, Cincinnati, Tulsa, Temple, South Florida, Tulane, and ECU. Any surprises from that preseason poll? And uh, I know you talked with some of the players. Kind of what were their reactions to being selected fourth? Yeah, I mean, I think the surprise probably from the outside looking in would just be Memphis, uh, you know, not being number one. Uh, you know, you look at the national media, a lot of a lot of people have Memphis top 10 in the country. Uh, you know, everyone that I've seen outside of, you know, or just the national media, I mean, has Memphis picked number one uh, in, in basically everything I've seen. So um, it was kind of interesting to see, you know, the coaches, you know, they just give the benefit of the doubt to Kelvin Sampson and, you know, rightfully so. I think he deserves it. You, you mentioned earlier that, you know, he's turned that program into a top 15 program in recent seasons. And, uh, you know, even though they have a lot of turnover and there's, you know, a lot of question marks there, you know, that's still Houston. That's still, you know, Kevin Sampson. And you can kind of just pencil them into being, you know, right around that top 25 and, uh, you know, just being a really, really tough out. So I think a lot of people want to see Memphis prove it. You know, they've had teams like this before. I mean, definitely not as much talent as they have this year, but, you know, think back to the, you know, the James Wiseman season, they had a ton of NBA talent on that team. And, uh, you know, look how that, you know, turned out, you know, they still have not made the NCAA tournament under pennies. So I think a lot of people inside the league kind of want to see, you know, Penny prove it, uh, you know, they'll believe it when they see it. Um, so I think that was a little surprising to see Memphis not get picked one. Um, WSU right around, right around where I thought they would be. Uh, you know, I thought with the coaches, they would probably give them three just because they did win the conference last year. I do think they're, you know, IB has kind of earned that respect. But, you know, one point uh, difference between SMU and WSU. So not much of a, you know, gripe there. Uh, I mean, obviously the players just, they just see the fourth place finish. And uh, yeah, Tyson Etienne, uh, when we talked to him, said, you know, we feel, you know, a certain type of way about that. You know, that's, uh, that's motivation. I mean, in their eyes, they're the defending champs. Everybody has to come through them. And they have, you know, I think five out of the top six scorers uh, back from last season. Um, you know, they have a lot of returning talent. They added a couple of really nice uh, transfers that should be able to play right away. So they think they're going to be even better than they were last year. So I can understand their, uh, you know, uh, maybe not frustration, but, you know, just feeling like they've been slighted a little bit, you know, getting pegged forth in the conference so a minor surprise there but you know from the outside like the national media a lot of people have wichita state in that three four five range uh you know with smu wichita state ucf that seems to be kind of the, the next tier down from uh you know memphis houston so um yeah i mean that, that was kind of their reaction They'll just use it for bulletin board material and you know obviously they were picked seventh last year and and finished first so um, i think tyson etienne said it best when 
Just saying, you know, it's the preseason. We haven't played any games, so none of this stuff really matters. Yeah, the polls are good to look at for a few minutes and then put it in the drawer till the end of the year and see how everyone turned out. SMU did have some good transfers. They have Kendrick Davis that made first team all AAC. But yeah, I, I did expect Wichita State to be third, but one point away, not a big deal there. Tyson Etienne, preseason player of the year, so nice for him to get the recognition. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's, that's just respect from other coaches that, uh, you know, have seen him play, have seen him put in the time, and it's pretty crazy, you know, I think uh, going into last year, you know, he wasn't even really on the radar for, you know, first team, second team. Uh, he was just, you know, kind of a nice, uh, you know, complimentary piece that, that first year at Wichita State, and it just kind of goes to show you just, like, how big of a jump Tyson has made from that first year all the way to now, where he's, you know, basically the unanimous uh, player of the year, and, um, you know, I've seen some other people, you know, a lot of people are going to go with the Memphis freshman uh, um, or any any Memphis player. You know, Jalen Duran, uh, Imani Bates are, are popular picks. Uh, I mean, if you like Houston this year, Marcus Sasser is going to be really good. Um, so I think he's he's definitely got a lot of competition this year. Uh, you know, which I'll say if he's going to, you know, get that second straight year being player of the year, which I'll say going to have to be, you know, in that mix for, you know, top two, top three teams in the conference. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he, uh, you know, responds to, you know, being the number one guy from the jump this season. And, you know, he's the number one thing on every scouting report. Uh, you know, people are going to be pouring over his film uh, and he's going to be, you know, the focal point of, of every scouting report, uh, you know, from the jump this season. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that and kind of takes his game to a to another level this year. First AP poll of the season came out on Monday. Memphis is number 12. Houston is number 15. And as I mentioned, Wichita State is Ken Palm ranked number 62 to start the season. I mentioned it in the intro. I don't know about you guys. In my opinion, I'm fired up about this this club and this team coming in. I think they have the schedule that lines up. They've got some uh, talent that they've added from last year. And, and I really do think this is the most highly anticipated season since they joined the American. But I also like the fact that they're kind of flying under the radar, at least so far. Really, no one's talking about them. Memphis is going to get most of the discussion in the AAC right now. So am I wrong to you know feel the way I do? Is that just because we uh, haven't even started yet? <laughs> No, Dustin, you should feel however you want to feel. I'll, I'll support you. But uh, no, I was a little surprised with, I was reading like an ESPN article talking about the American and teams that are going underneath the radar. And I thought for sure, you know, Wichita State would be kind of the obvious answer there because, you know, uh, you know, there's kind of being, you know, swept aside and that, that's fine. You know, the Memphis has so much talent, you know, honestly, they have, you know, top five talent. I thought that was kind of interesting. They, they weren't even the top 10 in the AP pool, but you know, uh, they have, you know, as much talent as just about anybody in the country. Then Houston is Houston. Kelvin Sampson is just a machine. Uh, but, you know, Wichita State, you know, they are the defending champions. They do bring back Tyson Etienne. They have, uh, you know, a veteran team, and they, they added two transfers, like I said, that I think can play right away. So um, I was surprised to see that ESPN article, though, that no, almost nobody, I think they mentioned Wichita State once briefly, but everyone was talking about SMU. And everyone who wasn't talking about SMU was talking about UCF. So I thought that was a little interesting and uh, kind of the same, you know, similar situation that Wichita State found itself in last year. You know, no, you know, limited expectations outside the program. Nobody's really talking about you. I think that's where these guys, uh, you know, do their best work. You know, they they love playing that underdog role. And I think they can, uh, you know, surprise some people too, because, you know, I, I do see the ceiling on this team as, you know, I think, Maybe they don't win the conference championship again this year, but I do think 
you know, the ceiling on this team is becoming, you know, a better version of last year's team. Maybe, you know, maybe not a better record, but I, I do think they can get a better seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, uh, you know, play themselves off that bubble where they're, you know, maybe a seven, eight, nine, something like that, even higher if, you know, the season goes really well and the American is as strong as I think uh, it potentially has a chance to be uh, where it's maybe a four, four bid league. We'll, we'll have to see there, but um, you know, I think Wichita State really enjoys playing that underdog role. And, and like you said, I mean, I think fans have every right to, to believe that this team could, could surprise just as much as last year. I think this team also has a bad taste in its mouth from how the season finished. That game against Drake, I, I think that stuck with him, particularly Tyson, and was part of the reason that he, he announced that he was coming back for another year. So I think that drives them to, to go you know certainly further than they did last season. And also, if you're a first or second year player in this league, you've not played in Coke Arena. That I will say, outside of maybe Cincinnati, which they're down, so I don't think they're going to have the atmosphere, I think Coke Arena will have the best atmosphere in the league this year. Would you disagree uh yeah i mean i i would think uh, memphis is going to be you know pack that you know they have the nba arena they can put you know 18 20 000 there i think people are going to be fired up about them but you know if they struggle out of the gate you know a lot of people are going to be like okay here we go again with penny you know uh it's going to be interesting to see how they do in the non-conference they have a few a few you know big tests coming up and uh, you know, if they can, you know, run the slate or just look like a top 10 team, I think their fans are going to be super fired up. I know you have a, you know, you feel a certain way about the Memphis, uh, Memphis fan base as well. So <laughs> I'm just saying they're that's a very business-like crowd. They're there in their polos. It's a corporate <laughs> crowd. You know, they're over at the, the concession stand or in the luxury box. Coke Arena is a bring your lunch pail type place. And we're yelling the whole dang time. So yeah. I don't think it's as intimidating. Yes, there's more people. I will give it that. But, uh, but I'm yeah, not I mean, sure if it's as intimidating. Yeah, I mean, I think those games are, I think there's a nice little rivalry uh, you know, developing with Wichita State and Memphis, and uh, you know, if right anything, now between me and their fans, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Memphis has kind of owned that that series. I mean, since Penny took over, I think he's four and one against WSU. Um, since he took over, so yeah, the Wichita State they need a they they need a you know a couple wins to get back in that and kind of announce themselves. And uh, you know, if they can beat Memphis at Coke Arena. That's the the January first game, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be a big game. That's a nationally televised game on CBS. CBS. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a big time platform. If Wichita State can, uh, you know, win that one, then yeah, you're gonna be in the top twenty five more than likely if you're having a good year at that point, and you're gonna start to start to get some buzz if you can, you know, win that game at home. Only win was that blackout a few years ago where your boy Eric Stevenson went <laughs> off, and <laughs> they were ranked in the top twenty five after that. Yeah. So. Quite the rise and fall of that season. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll focus more on this Shocker roster. We'll take a look at the early season schedule, take a guess at your starting five, and give you some predictions for the 2021-2022 season. Welcome back to Talk Angry, Taylor. Since we did our summer special, we had one player leave the program. Shockers also had an open scholarship that they used to sign a new player. And then uh, I believe there's some uh, looking at how, you know, if they have a scholarship available now or not. So just kind of give us an update on everything that's happened since then. 
Yeah, so uh, Matt McFarlane, a six eleven uh, center, played last season uh, Kansas JUCO ball. Uh, he ended up leaving the program for personal reasons, and um, he went back home. Uh, went back to for, uh, uh, right around Philadelphia, and I think he's at LaSalle now. I believe is where he transferred. And um, I think what is going to come down to if Wichita State can get that scholarship back or not is is if the NCAA rules him eligible right away, if he is eligible to play this season, then Wichita State would get that scholarship back. But if he does have to sit out, then uh, it's unlikely that Wichita State will get that scholarship back. I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, just one of those things where it's nice to have in the back pocket, uh, you know, in case there's a midseason transfer or anything, you know, uh, if you want to take someone at the at the middle of the season or, or whatever. But um so it's not the end of the world if that ends up not happening for Wichita State, but it's something they would like to have, you know, a little uh, flexibility. So right now, um, that they were at, um, you know, twelve. Matt leaves. Uh, right now, that scholarship still counts against them. And then they, since he left, they brought in. This is unrelated. They were going to do this anyway, but they ended up signing a, a high upside freshman, Isaac Abidi. Um, he was a guy that was going to go to prep school, and then you know they, they brought him in. On an official visit, they really liked how he interviewed. Uh, really liked him as a, as a person, and uh, was impressed with how he uh, you know scrimmaged against the guys. And they offered him a scholarship on the spot, and said, "Hey, just come here a year early." So he's basically a year ahead of schedule. And yeah, he's a total freak show. I mean, he's uh, super athletic, and you know, touch the top of the backboard, can even shoot it a little bit. Uh, he made a three against Texas Tech in the scrimmage. Um, so he's a guy that's uh, you know very very interesting. Uh, you know, high ceiling uh, guy that, you know, probably not going to contribute uh, right away, but that's a guy, if he can stay in the program two, three, four years, that's someone that could be a very, very nice get for Wichita State uh, down the road. So, yeah, right now they're at 13 scholarships. And like I said, depending on what happens with McFarland, uh, you know, they could get that th uh, 13th one back uh, for 2021. And like I said, they could use that middle of the season if there's someone that's looking to transfer right away. Uh, and, you know, kind of like the Connor Frankham situation, you know, from years back, uh, if you want to add someone in the middle of the season, uh, that could be an option. But as it stands right now, uh, they don't have any scholarships to give. They're, uh, you know, they appeal to the NCAA and they're still just waiting to hear back from that. You brought up that not so secret scrimmage with Texas Tech. I know you had some tweets over the weekend. Um, so just give us a little thoughts on, on what your takeaways were from that. Yeah, so it was a little confusing because, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Goodman tweeted out right away that uh, Texas Tech had won a, a scrimmage, and it was like like 81 to 55. 55, yeah, they had lost by like 26, and uh, it, oh, that's the way it made it look like. And that's what I was told was that's the way that the stat person statted it, but the way that the scrimmage actually went was, uh, so that whole day they did like three segments. The first segment was like a half-court uh, you know, we're going to do, it's like a controlled setting. You know, you, you do five straight possessions. You, you run your half-court sets and see how many you can score. Wichita State actually won that uh, segment against Texas Tech. Um, so then they go to a, a second segment. It was basically a 20-minute scrimmage. And that's the one where Texas Tech just absolutely blasted Wichita State. I was told that Tech was just, you know, brought the energy. Uh, Kevin O'Banner just got super hot from the outside, and they just, you know, uh, rampaged all over him. And I was told that IB played, you know, played uh, played all of his guys, uh, spread out the minutes, wasn't really concerned with the result, uh, played a lot of those freshmen. 
and uh, that kind of probably that probably I mean they were I mean the way that it started they were probably going to lose regardless of who you played but you know I think that's the reason why it kind of got a little out of hand where it got to that 25 26 point range um, and then so the second scrimmage it's a it's a you know a brand new game it's not like the the scoreboard read you know Wichita State's down by 25 when we started um, I think that's what kind of confused a lot of people by that that tweet. So, I mean, it started 0-0, Wichita State, um, you know, they start, they're veterans, they, they cut down the rotation, they played more like, you know, this is what a game in, like, February would, would be played like, you know, with a tight rotation, and they played their top guys, and I was told they played really, really well, got up by about 10, and then kind of held on at the end, they ended up winning 35 to, I think, 32 or something like that, it was, like, a pretty close margin, so... They actually won, you know, two out of the three segments, but because they lost that that first scrimmage so bad, it looked like it kind of just skewed the results. So a lot of mixed results, I would say, out of that. You know, obviously it's you know a little bit concerning to to give up. I think they gave up like fifty something points in the, that first scrimmage. So that's not ideal. You don't want to be giving up fifty points in twenty minutes, especially you know in a scrimmage type situation like that. Um, but you know, on the other hand, you know they did beat a you know pretty pretty decent you know Texas Tech team that second time, and they won the half court setting too. So I think there are things to build on there. I was told Tyson Etienne was was very good. He had 15 points in that second scrimmage alone, 20 uh, total. Uh, Ricky Council the fourth had a good uh, good day. He had 12 points and I think a team high six rebounds. Uh, Quay Grant was another one that that impressed with his defense and also doled out five assists. So that, that might be a little uh, precursor to, to show that he's going to be playing more point guard than, than shooting guard on this team. So that was uh, one thing I found uh, kind of interesting coming away with that. And um, yeah, I think the starting five they went with was, so it was Craig Porter, Tyson, Dexter, um, Joe Pleasant, and uh, Monzi Jackson. And I forgot to, to lead with, yeah, Morris Udeze. Uh, did not play the entire day. He's still being held out with a shoulder injury. Uh, a little concerning just because he has so much of a history with shoulder injuries. That's what ended his first two seasons at Wichita State. But I'm told it's not. It's not, you know, nothing major. Right now they're just doing it as a precautionary thing. Then Chauncey Jenkins, another guy that's probably going to be in the rotation. Uh, he was a guard uh, who also missed that day. Hyperextended his knee in practice recently. So those two guys are out. Um, but yeah, outside of that, those were, those were kind of the takeaways. Dexter, uh, really struggled shooting, but I was told that he, uh, um, he played really good defense. Joe Pleasant was a guy that kind of, you know, did all the dirty thing, dirty work, all the little details, uh, didn't really shoot too much, but, uh, you know, he's playing mostly the five that day. So he was more concerned with, you know, boxing out, playing defense and, and trying to bang down lows. So maybe that's why you didn't see him as involved on the offense. You brought up Grant Pleasant. I know there's several others. Which newcomer do you think has the biggest impact on the team this year? Yeah, I think Quay Grant's going to be the guy that probably is the most, you know, uh, the the biggest difference that fans will notice just because he's probably going to score the most of the newcomers. Uh, this guy is a guy, I mean, he can, he can uh, get to the basket. He's so quick. He's got, uh, you know, very strong frame. He's not huge, but, you know, he knows how to use that frame to guard uh, you know, against bigger guys, he can just put that body into him, and he knows how to use it to protect his shot, uh, to get to the rim. He's really good at pull-up jumpers, floaters. I mean, he can just score in the paint, and he knows how to get there. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the concern because anytime you go from Division Two to Division One, 
that's what I'm always told, you know, just the length and athleticism around the rim. That's the biggest change, you know, from those levels. But, you know, he's a two-time All-American for a reason. It's because he can score the ball. And then in the scrimmage, I mean, you, you, I mean, I didn't see him play, but, you know, five assists, that tells me that he was looking to get guys involved. And that's, uh, that's a very promising sign that he could be playing, you know, major minutes off the bench at the one. And then, you know, if, if Tyson... You know, is in foul trouble or, or has to sit for you know whatever reason. You know, I think he has that scoring punch to bring to WSU where he could be the two as well. So I think Quay Grant's going to be the 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 you know the flashy playmaker guy, and then uh, Joe Pleasant though he's going to be a huge addition to this team. Like I said, he does all of the little things. I don't think he's going to play as much five as he did in that scrimmage. I think he's going to be mostly the the four with Monzi kind of splitting splitting time with those two guys, but. Uh, you know, just super reliable team defender. Um, you know, he, he can do just about everything on offense. Can you know, if he has got a big guy on him, he can stretch him out to the, the corner. Uh, he can shoot the three. He's got a smaller guy on him. He can take him down low and punish him down down uh, down inside. Uh, you know, a good rebounder for his size. So I think he's going to be very very solid. And then the freshman, I think you're going to see play the most is going to be Kenny Poto, six eleven guy, won the three point shooting contest at Shocker Madness. A lot of fans are very intrigued after that. And, um, you know, it's just a, what IB told me earlier this summer was that he was, yes, he's impressed by the three-point shooting for a 6'11 guy, but he was even more impressed by just how technically sound he was on defense. Uh, he said he was, like, maybe the most advanced freshman uh, defensively he's had since Dexter Dennis. So that's very high praise for Kenny Poto especially at a position of, you know, absolute need because, you know, after, like we talked about, Matt McFarlane leaving the program, 6'11", uh, center, sophomore, he was going to be, you know, another option at the five position. But now, without him, you know, WSU's basically just down to Kenny Poto. And, uh, you know, they don't really have anyone, you know, with the, the, the length and the height like Kenny. So he's going to be a very valuable piece for WSU. Uh, it's always tough to, you know, play at that high level as a true freshman though. So it's going to be interesting to see how much he can contribute right away. But I do think he's going to see minutes right away in this rotation. And he's going to be able to change the offense because of his, his shooting ability. And if he can hang it, you know, uh, you know, hold his own rebounding and on defense, that's a huge, huge addition for WSU. We saw Mo Udeze, in my opinion, make the biggest jump year over year last season with his play. What's a returning player that you think coming into this year might have a bigger impact or might see that same level of leap? Yeah, I think Craig Porter is a good pick here just because, you know, he was so banged up last year. And, you know, he's he's finally healthy. Um, he did not have a good scrimmage uh, against Texas Tech from what I could see. But, you know, everything I've heard this summer is that, you know, the results are are promising, you know, he's he's gotten that explosiveness back that it made him such a good defender, such a good rebounder at the JUCO level where he was an All-American. And um, I think that's, you know, it's not like WSU needs to him to come in and be, you know, a huge playmaker or anything like that. Um, you know, they have a good offense in place, but I think if he can just be that that floor leader in control, um, he's going to be, you know, he's, he's very smooth watching him play. I think if he can just distribute to Tyson and then you're going to have guys like Dexter Dennis and Ricky council on the wings, uh, find those guys just pass and make good passes inside to Mo. I mean, that's, that's all WSU needs him to do is just kind of be a floor general. And, uh, I think he, he could see his numbers go up just because of, you know, opportunity. Um, so Craig Porter would be a good one. 
Um, you know, Chauncey Jenkins is another one that all the coaches really, really love. I think he could sur- surprise, but um, I just don't see the path for, you know, that many minutes for him right away. But I think down the road, I think Chauncey Jenkins is, is definitely a name to remember that that could be, you know, important for Wichita State, if not this year, then then probably next year then. What's your early guess at the starting five? I'm going to go with Craig um, at the one, Tyson at the two. Um, let's go Dexter at the three. I think the four is, is you know, kind of 50-50. I think Joe Pleasant will probably win. I think they just love Monzi's energy off the bench. He's just like such a game changer uh, when when he comes into the game and just uh, you know just gives WSU such a different look. I think they like that coming off the bench. So I think those two play similar minutes, but I'll go with Joe to start the season, and then obviously Mo with the five. So um, I think it was yeah, that's uh, that's the lineup I would go with at least to start the year. Do you see Tyson playing much point guard this year? Man, I I I think there will be times. I mean, WSU like that dribble drive offense. I mean, there's really not, you know, the point guard initiates it, but after that is, you know, pretty much whoever has the ball is is the guy that can initiate or just, you know, take a ball screen or just take their man off the dribble. So, um, I mean, I think you're going to see him. I think his assist numbers go up this year. Um, I think his playmaking goes up, but I don't think he's going to be running you know, bringing the ball up too much just because they have, you know, guys like Craig Porter and Quay Grant who can who can get that job done. And he's so good at, you know, coming off screens and coming off pin downs and just, you know, uh, you know, spotting up on the, the three-point line. I, I don't think you want to take that. That's his bread and butter, so I don't think you want to take away that too much. It, it will be interesting to see how they kind of play that, that, that line because, you know, NBA people want to see Tyson play point guard. Uh, but, you know, to maximize Wichita State's talents this year, you know, he's probably going to have to play a lot of off-guard again. So uh, it will be interesting to see that that balancing act, how they, they do this season. And I've asked Tyson about that before the season, and uh, he said, you know, he's not concerned about NBA, I mean, scouts, anything like that. He wants to help Wichita State win. He's in total Wichita State mode right now. So um, it will be interesting to see, though. I mean, you can say that, but... And until, I mean, there's going to be people in his ear all season talking about, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that for the NBA next year. Um, but, you know, I think Tyson's got a good head on his shoulders. And uh, I think he, I, I do believe him when he says he, he will put Wichita State first and do whatever his team needs him to do. And uh, I think IB said that too, you know, I think NBA scouts will, will value that too. If, if they see him doing all the little things, you know, if he does need to play more too, uh, for his team, I, th- I think that can be valuable in helping his uh, you know NBA stock next year too. The schedule was finalized since the last time we had a show. Thirty games altogether, twelve in the non-conference, eighteen in conference. Non-conference kind of has three distinct chapters. They start off with Jacksonville State, South Alabama, and Tarleton State. Then they get into their high major competition. They're going to play Arizona and either Michigan or UNLV out in Vegas. You have at Missouri, at Oklahoma State, and K State at Interest Bank Arena. Then they finish with four, you know, lower major schools and Norfolk State. Alcorn State, North Texas might be your conference brethren here soon in Prairie View A&M. I'll speak for you and say that the most exciting conference game is that January 1 home game nationally televised against Memphis. But what's the non-conference game that you're most excited about? Man, I think it'll be probably that Arizona game in, in Vegas. That's the that's the, kind of the first big test of the season. You know, they start out the season 
three kind of uh, you know gimmies at home. Jacksonville State though, they're they're a, a quality team, so that's not like you can just uh, you know sleepwalk your way to a win there. But you know WSU is obviously going to be you know double digit favorite. Um, so if they can take care of business there, you, you know you're going into that that Vegas tournament three and zero. Big showdown against Arizona. That's a team with a first year coach. I mean, they've had their own share of you know off off uh, you know off season uh, dramatics. So uh, that's a it's a good opportunity. And then if you beat them, then you get a crack at Michigan, who's probably going to be a you know top five, top ten team. So uh, that's a huge game in my opinion for Wichita State because you know if you get that win, that's likely going to finish uh, as a Q one. Uh, win for for Wichita State come tournament time, which would be a nice uh, you know nugget to have going into conference play, where you could you know probably pick up uh, another you know three four five opportunities at, at that Q one. So um, I, I think that's going to be the big game for Wichita State, um, and and not only j- just because if they win it, but also what comes after, just having a chance at a top ten team that early in the season. If you win, you know now you're on the the national land uh, landscape. If you lose, you know, no no harm there. That's that's a really good team. Michigan is number six in the first AP top twenty-five poll of the season. I mentioned thirty games, twelve non-con, eighteen conference. Give me a record prediction. Oh man, that's tough. Let's go non-conference. I'm thinking, you know, nine and three is kind of where I'm thinking. Um for them, uh, you know, the the two road games are, are the ones that will be kind of the, the swing games for them, you know, at Missouri, at Oklahoma State. You know, if this team comes out uh, stronger than we expect, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to believe that, you know, which uh, the only team better than Wichita State would be, you know, that that potential Michigan showdown. And you could be looking at a an 11-1. and one. I think that's probably the ceiling. Um but I'm I'm gonna go nine and three, be a little conservative, and then the conference play. You know, I think, like I said, I think this is gonna be a, a much improved conference. I think you're gonna see four bids um, potentially uh, with with Houston, Memphis, Wichita State, and then either SMU or UCF, whoever kind of rises from the the pack there. So I think they're what I've said from the jump is I think Wichita State's record is gonna be worse than last season, but I think they're gonna be a better team. And like I said, I think they could get a better NCAA tournament seeding. So I'm, I'm thinking like 12 and 6, 13 and 5, something like that um, in, in the uh, conference play. So I guess that would, that would put me right at like 22 wins is what, is what I have them pegged at before going into conference tournament season. What do you think? I think that feels about right. I would be disappointed anything less than nine and three in non-conference. I think you have to go into that with that's the expectation. And, you know, I think Missouri is somewhat down. Oklahoma State is a good program, but but not, you know, as uh, good, in my opinion, as they were last season. K-State at Interest Bank Arena, you just have to win that game. Uh, and then as far as the conference schedule is concerned, don't every year we say, I think the AAC is going to get about four bids this we do. year. And this, then this is the year. The end, this saying, is the year. Please give us two. Please give us two. So I do think the top four teams in the conference will really separate themselves from the rest. I know people like UCF. UCF I'm not as sold on them. So 22 to 23 wins feels about right. And for the first time this season... By yourself. All right, so we spent some time, obviously, talking about who the starting lineup would be. So regardless of who it is, you know, the big change this year is who's going to play point guard. So over the course of the season, I want you to give me a buy or sell. The point guard that starts the first game is the point guard who starts the last game of the regular season. Ooh, that's tough. I'll, I'll buy that. Um, 
I think this is a 50-50 question, though, because I really, really like Quay Grant. Could be the same thing, though, as uh, um, kind of like Monzi, though, where they just like him coming off the bench, kind of changing the momentum of the game. But I think, uh, you know, judging from everything I've heard this summer, you know, Craig Porter has been very, very good. Uh, he's got a year in the system, so he's kind of got that advantage. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll buy that. I think Craig Porter starts the season and finishes the season at point guard. I'm going to sell that. I think, uh, you know, from all you've said on Grant that uh, he, you know, is going to be someone that can add. And from the sounds of the scrimmage, he was dishing the ball as well. So I think he's the starter by the end of the year. You could also just move Tyson to point guard and then make way for Ricky Council into the, the starting lineup too. So that's that might be their, their best five, that option. So we'll, we'll see. That's a good question though. Like but a, do you lose too much ball handling in that situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just depends on, you know, if this Dex is has made that... This is the new run and gun shockers, you yeah, know, we're just getting the rebound and running. Yeah, <laughs> if Dex has made that jump and he's off the off the dribble, uh, you know, then it's possible. I think Ricky is a guy that can get his own shot. Um, but, you know, with their offense, it's not like there's too much, you know, uh, you know, reliance on, you know, the, the assist pass. I mean, a lot of it's just, you know, uh, putting them in ball screens and just letting them go and kind of seeing if they can get to the basket. I think Ricky Council is a guy that can do that. Mm-hmm. Dexter is a guy that's going to have to prove he can do that. Uh, I think uh, we've been waiting on it for, for a long, long time. And he looked good every time I saw him this summer. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. It's kind of one of those things where he's going to have to prove he can do it before we, we fully believe it. But, I think there's definitely some, uh, you know, some upside there. Monzi's a guy that can create two off the dribble for against if he's matched up with fours. So, I think that it could be an intriguing lineup. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a real possibility too if they just want to go all, all in on offense. If they just shift Tyson to point guard and could see a change there too. So, so you still buying that? We keep. The yeah, same? I'm still buying it, okay. but I think that's. <laughs> I'm just yeah, just playing devil's advocate. That's oh, why yeah. I said I oh, thought yeah. it was a great question. I think there's a lot of. I think the thing that Ivy loves about this roster is there's so much flexibility and there's so much, uh, you know, the starters and the backups complement each other so well, too. So there's just a lot of different options he can he can work with. I mean, you can you really can look at the roster and go, oh, this guy can play the four and the three. He can play all these different positions. They can guard all these different positions. The only position you don't really feel that way is the center. It's like if, you know, you really are depending on Kenny to be able to pick up those backup minutes or Joe to be able to fill in as an undersized five, which, which is a bit of a challenge. Second question, going back to conference realignment, projecting out five years, which Wichita state is still in the American conference buy or sell. I'm going to sell that. Cause I'm not sure in five years, the American conference is still going to be a conference. I think, uh, you know, they, you can only, it's kind of death by a thousand cuts. You can only have so many of these schools continue to leave. I think Memphis is out the door at some point here pretty darn soon. I think SMU would do it as well. I think both of those schools would consider the Mountain West right now. So uh, I know the TV contracts are somewhat similar. So I'm going to sell that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm think i going to sell too um, uh, with the same thing that, that Dustin just said. I mean, I think that everything I've heard is that Memphis is going to be out the door once the Big 12 decides to expand. Not sure about SMU, but uh, yeah, I think there's just going to be so much turnover that I don't know if the American's still going to be a thing in, in five years. So we'll see. Maybe they call it something different. I guess that might be the loophole to the question is 
The, the, if it's not called the AAC, is it still the AAC? The Athletic did a uh, article this summer where they actually said college basketball and college football should break away, and there should be a geographic conference. So they had like Wichita State in the same conference with like KU and Missouri and Iowa State and Nebraska, and go more geographic just well, because. About K State play hard. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Play hard chart. <laughs> I'm just giving you a little a view of the region here. So it would be interesting. I mean, at some point, maybe football just goes off on its own and has super conferences, and then basketball is able to realign in it. In I've seen that. Uh, like football, they do like 16 team conferences and just do 64. And yeah, that would be interesting to see if they. I don't know if it happens, but man, like if you would have asked, you know, five years ago if all this stuff would happen, we probably would have said no, too. If OU and Texas would ever leave the Big 12, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. So, never say never. I'm so, I, I, This doesn't matter as much, but I'm surprised OU left Oklahoma State behind and UCF left USF behind. Like, if I'm in the state and, and they're all intertwined, these state universities, it's like, what the heck, bro? I mean, what, what are you doing here? Yeah, I, I read something where I guess when USF left, um, they like hung it over UCF's head for a really long time. So that kind of rubbed them the wrong way. And now it's like uh, 15 years later, whenever later uh, now ucf is the national program that everybody wants and usf is the one getting left behind so i don't think there's any love loss there all right we've talked about tyson's growth last year becoming the co-conference player of the year this year he's the preseason conference player of the year teams are going to be focusing on him but he's also been working to develop his skills going through the nba process do you see tyson hits another gear this year another jump with the little snubs, talking about getting fourth place. I mean, even the the preseason shooting guard of the year watch list came out. Tyson's not on that list. Landers Nolly from Memphis is on that list. Do you see him taking those chips and using it as motivation to take another step forward, big step? Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. And I think uh, I will say this though: I think the big step forward might actually have like his uh, you know counting stats come a little bit down. I don't think uh, Wichita State needs. To, him to average 18 points a game uh, this year just because they have so much offensive talent around him. And I think uh, what what I said, I think what NBA people want to see is his efficiency go up. Uh, you know, he's he's great beyond the arc. I mean, don't get me wrong, but like the mid-range game, you know, very bad. Around the rim, finishing, you know, very bad in terms of, you know, those NBA prospects. So those are two areas where I think you could see Tyson take a big leap Maybe they don't, you know, stand off, uh, you know, out of the the statistics or the, uh, stand out in the box score. But I do think you you will see him. I think he's been working on that part of his game this whole summer. I think you will see uh, a drastic improvements there. I think he's really uh, improved his game in the ball screens. And like I said, you know, that dribble drive offense. I think you're going to see him become more of a playmaker because just just because he's going to have so much defensive attention on him. I think uh, him and Mo had a really really good pick and roll connection when I watched them earlier this summer. So I think that's something you might see happen a little bit more, uh, you know, cause Mo really hasn't, you know, he's, he's gotten some, uh, you know, uh, some stuff off the pick and roll, but not a lot. A lot of his work comes just, you know, back to the basket, just feed him down low, let him go to work. But I think you could see Mo become more involved in that pick and roll. And uh, yeah, I think Tyson's going to level up his game. I think his points per game is going to come down a little, but I think his assist total is going to go up, and then his overall efficiency shooting, like the true shooting percentage number, I think you're going to see that go up too. 
I'll buy that as well. There were some times last season where I felt like he put a little too much on himself and kind of wanted to score 10 points with one shot. And so I would agree with Taylor that I think he becomes much more efficient this year. All right, and finally, buy or sell. A freshman cracks the solid rotation with at least 10 minutes per game. I'll sell that. I think Kenny's the one that would do that, but I don't think he quite gets to 10 minutes per game. I think it'll be the Mo show unless he's in foul trouble. So uh, Kenny will be out there because Mo can't stay out of foul trouble. <laughs> or Joe Pleasant will be in there. <laughs> or Joe Pleasant. <laughs> I'll buy that. I think I think Kenny, just because, I mean, out of uh, necessity, I mean, they don't really have any other options at five. I think uh, Joe it will play five in the pinch, but I don't think they want to play him, you know, a ton of minutes at the five. So, like Dustin said, I mean, I think Mo, I mean, that's that's his job. He's going to play as many minutes as he can. I would expect that to be, you know, in the twenty-five range. But you know, that that leaves a lot of opportunities uh, behind him. I I think Kenny will will be over ten, um, and uh, I think he could surprise some people with you know some of the flashes. Like I said, I mean, he can just change the offense completely when he goes in the game because of his pick and pop ability and you know just i i mean ib said it gave him the most praise after shocker madness i've heard uh all summer was that he said that that's the best shooting big man i've ever coached you know uh 25 plus years of college basketball so he has a chance to be special and really change wsu's offense so i think he'll get i mean i'm not saying he's gonna play a ton but i do think he'll be over 10 minutes Well, it's exciting to be back behind the mic. I know, as we've talked about today, the team is not necessarily getting the national recognition just yet, but I think this is an exciting season for Shocker fans. If nothing else other than 10,506 are back, you have some great non-conference games, not necessarily at Coke Arena, but you have some really good non-conference matchups, and you have an American uh, conference run that should be competitive all season long so we'll be with you there the entire time we'll probably be back after the first exhibition game get you ready for those first two regular season games of the year if uh, you haven't had the chance tell your fellow shocker fans about the podcast we love to expand the reach as far as we can and uh, as always taylor what should they not forget to do get a rate of five stars this show is part of the ict podcast network For more information, visit ictpod.net.